Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Is the way to a man's heart really through his stomach? Yes, no. Do you have a story you'd like to share? Gentlemen, I'd love to hear uh, from you on this topic. Is the need for a woman to cook essential in finding someone to marry. Hey, you know, it comes up over and over again. I thought it would be a fun and interesting conversation. If you have a story or would like to share your thoughts, gentlemen, it is our weekly Gentleman's Hour. It's a way to a man's heart through his stomach. Yes or no? No. Let us know. The number is 1-888-914-9149. I've also thrown this up on social media. It's garnered some interesting responses over the last day or so. So go ahead. Check that out. Follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Uh, to share your thoughts on that or again, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Uh, we're going to talk, I think, about a really important topic. We talk a lot about being a Catholic man, but what does that mean? How can you be a protector and a defender of your loved ones? We often talk about how men have the God-given role to lead, protect, and provide. Today, Hugh Brown is going to join me. He's the vice president of, of American Life League, and we're going to talk about what that how-to guide is to protect and defend your loved ones. So listen up, gentlemen. It'll be an interesting conversation. And we're also going to dive into what's happening on the ground with the fight for life. Fantastic news across the country as we hear news from places such as Utah that has banned abortion facilities statewide. We'll talk about that in just a moment, as well as Wyoming. But how Ohio 2023 is the battleground state, in addition to many others. I'll share with you why with Hugh Brown, the executive vice president of American Life League. Some brief update news if you're not aware of the latest on the pro-life front. The Wyoming governor has signed a law outlawing abortion pills. This happened this past Friday. We haven't had an opportunity to talk about it uh, quite yet, but it's a fantastic law going into place in the state of Wyoming. The most common type of abortion is RU46 abortion, that abortion pill set. And here's the deal. Over 54% of all reported abortions are taking place via this abortion chemical drug. And so the fact that Wyoming is throwing that out of their state. You can't ship it into our state. Uh, You cannot take it. You are punishable by the law up to $9,000 in a fine and six months in jail. Uh, Women who obtain abortions will not be criminally prosecuted. Uh, But this is a really important law to see signed into place by Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon. Praise God. Thank you to everyone in the state of Wyoming who have fought for this and for all of you dedicated pro-life individuals over the years who continue to stand for the right to life and protecting women. I was just at Mass the other day and there's an elderly woman I've known for about uh, 15 years now in the pro-life movement. And I was just in awe, you know, looking at her coming toward the end of her life. And years ago, I remember watching her every 
single Saturday for hours in front of the abortion clinic, praying for an end to abortion and sidewalk counseling one woman after another, and the fathers and the countless lives that were saved just from this one woman's perseverance in the face of legal abortion in our nation. So whether there's legal abortion in your state or maybe it's been outlawed in some way or another in your state, we need to continue to fight. And so we'll talk about that, about that a little bit more, how we can do that in the state of Ohio coming up here. Uh, but all of this is fascinating with the news from Wyoming, given that a federal judge in Texas actually has, um, he's considering ordering a nationwide ban on the abortion pill, Mifepristone, also known as RU-46. Uh, this comes after uh, a really a fascinating case, looking at the fact that back in 2000, over 20 years ago, the FDA approved the abortion pill without going through any safeguard research, knowing at the time, even then, that it was less safe than surgical abortion. So why is it that over 20 years ago, the FDA skipped basic things that should have taken place to approve a drug such as the abortion pill, but they didn't? Well, it's in the name of abortion. And now the Texas judge, federal judge, is taking this into consideration. We'll see what happens on this. We need to pray, but we also need to bring to light the fact that this is a court case right now before a federal judge in Texas and all of the data information, which we'll talk more about specifically on Friday, what was wrong and what is wrong with the abortion pill. But just to mention a few risks, hemorrhaging, infertility, if a woman has an ectopic tubal pregnancy, uh, undiagnosed, the chemical pill could actually cause death and great harm to the woman in her body, autoimmune disorders. It's a chemical bomb nuking her body. And the aftermath is tremendous, but we don't do the research because the FDA passed it without requiring this research back in 2000. And so what we do know is horrible, but what we don't know is also very concerning as well. Um, Utah also, great news, the state of Utah has banned abortion facilities in their state. Utah Governor Spencer Cox has signed House Bill 467 this past week, uh, specifically addressing a ban on abortion facilities in the state. Um, What we're seeing is that as of May 2nd, no new abortion facilities will open, and beginning in 2024, standalone standalone abortion facilities will be expected to be shutting down or meet these medical standards that they refuse to meet uh, normally. So Planned Parenthood, for example, operates three out of the four abortion facilities in Utah, and they have said, Planned Parenthood has said, that trying to meet those basic medical standards and care guidelines would actually effectively make it impossible for them to operate in the state of Utah, and they would have to shut down those three abortion facilities. Why? Because they don't care about women. They're not willing to meet basic medical standards. And the fact is, wake up. Most abortion facilities are not in hospitals because they're not basic, routine, or life-saving health care. It's murder, plain and simple. And the abortion movement is trying to say the pro-life movement is going through the back door, shutting down access to abortion by making them meet medical standards. Well, yeah, if you really believe in safe, healthy health care for women, you would meet those standards, but you don't. And abortion isn't safe, routine, life-saving health care. And that's why these abortion clinics will and are shutting down. Joining me now is the Executive Vice President of American Life League. He is on the front line of the abortion um, fight, fighting state to state for the protection of human life and for the mothers of these children. Hugh Brown, welcome to Trending. Let's talk about what's happening in the state of Ohio. What's coming up here? So recently, Timory, I attended the Bringing America Back to Life conference in Ohio 
And it was sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life. And the focus of that entire conference was have no fear. And the purpose and reason of talking about having no fear is that that is exactly what's going to be required in Ohio this coming November when the citizens of Ohio on their ballot have a measure that was sponsored by NARAL, the uh, National Abortion Rights Action League, Planned Parenthood, and believe it or not, you know, the people like the ACLU, which I guess that, that is believable, to put a, to put a measure in uh, up to vote on their state to amend their state constitution that would allow abortion up to and after birth that would remove all restrictions to anything having to do with abortion, um, would outlaw any anyone trying to, to stop abortions, and also would allow for the chemical castration of young men who identify as women and other butcher-type surgeries for young women who mm -hmm. think that they're a young man, um, and remove all parental notifications and consent. And it's absolute insanity. And so Ohio in 2023 is the only state in the union that is going to have a constitutional amendment on the ballot to legalize abortion in just the most horrific ways you can possibly imagine. And so far, I think as pro-life people, we were caught a little flat-footed when the Dobbs decision happened uh, 10 months ago and that the aggressiveness of the enemy, which I guess can never be underestimated, went to work immediately in November of 2022, enshrining abortion in one form or another in six states where we were essentially owning those measures. And my eyes have been opened in that Ohio is the front line. And I applaud the other states that are taking actions to eliminate abortion, to eliminate the facilities, to do things like regulate the facilities and, and make them um, adhere to, to medical um, standards. And Planned Parenthood, of course, won't do that. Because number one, it's all about dollars and death to them. And number two, they're not medical facilities. They're places where people die. Mm -hmm. And so Ohio is the front line. It's important as, as God's people, we pray for the state of Ohio. But also there are lots of great groups right now like Cleveland Right to Life, Ohio Right to Life that are working very hard. And, uh, you know, the, the history is important. So Dr. Jack Wilkie came from Ohio and started one of the first, actually the first state pro-life group in America right, with Ohio Right to Life. And Dr. Wilkie was very involved with the American Life League and National Right to Life. But Dr. Wilkie from Ohio went to, to war immediately, even before abortion became illegal, because he saw the horror of what was to come. And so we have a moral obligation to, to, to fight and to work very closely as the American Life League is, is, is doing, as we just did two weekends ago, and we will continue to do with the good people of Ohio, to help educate people to the absolute horror of this measure and the fact that the other side, with their empathetic lies and nonsense, trying to frame abortion as a right and as health care, is only interested in death. And, and we have to work and pray very hard to, in my opinion, create the model for the state of Ohio that then can be replicated elsewhere. When in 2024, I'm sure the other side, in, in a, a desperate attempt to get people out to vote for their nonsense, will frame it in that. God's people are somehow attacking women and hate women. So it's critically important that we focus on Ohio. We need to get ahead of this. And I think that's what's so important because California, Michigan, and Vermont in 2022 actually, by the people's vote, passed new proposition ballots that, that go into effect in the law, making it so that all of what you just mentioned happening in 
the Ohio um, constitutional amendment would happen there in Ohio. So what happened in California, Vermont, and Michigan was it was passed basically that a woman has a right to do it with anything, both during pregnancy and in the days following pregnancy to kill her baby, um, use whether it's chemical abortion, surgical abortion, late-term abortion, even abortion procedures that have been outlawed uh, in this great nation by our Supreme Court itself in 2007, for example, with partial birth abortion. We're in these gray waters where if a woman can do anything, well, how does that reconcile with partial birth abortion, which we know today is actually still being performed by many abortionists based on the way we have seen the research that aborted baby parts are being harvested and sold by abortion clinics to universities and other facilities as well. I mean, it's barbaric. And so this goes even further than what um, people realize. And you mentioned it, Hugh, and this has been legalized in California, Michigan, and Vermont, that it allows for cross-sex hormones, so-called gender therapy, hormone replacement therapy, that is puberty-blocking drugs for minors with no parental consent. And that's something interesting about the state of Ohio. Ohio is one of those states that requires parental notification and consent in order to have an abortion. And if this ballot measure passes by the people's vote, those parents' rights to know what's happening in their children's lives, to consent to it, to approve goes out the door, both with regard to if they want to cross-sex surgery, you literally mutilating their bodies, take damaging, permanently damaging puberty-blocking drugs, as well as kill their own children or nuke their bodies with hormonal contraception. I mean, this is how outrageous this law would be if passed through the ballot measure. And yet it's law in California, Michigan, and Vermont now. So we need to get ahead of it, Hugh. I know Protect Women Ohio is doing great work. That's protectwomenohio.com. I'll post the link on social media. I just this week, you know, grabbed this link, started sending it to friends who are in Ohio saying, hey, if you're not already looped in to Protect Women Ohio, it's one of the organizations fighting against this amendment to just make an all-access pass to abortion and cross-sex surgeries and hormones. You can do the same thing. We need to make sure we're mobilizing people now before it's too late. I know you also mentioned Cleveland Right to Life as well as Ohio Right to Life. Hugh, I'd like to talk a little bit about accountability and Planned Parenthood facilities and the fact that Planned Parenthood facilities are mandated reporters. Have you been following some of the stories um, where we have minors who Planned Parenthood are failing to take care of in the instances of sexual abuse cases related to abortion? So listen, that that's nothing new. So um, I realize with your audience, we, we may be preaching to the choir, but the important, the important thing for, for anyone listening to this to take away is that evil is very real. And evil is at work and has been at work for a long time. And Planned Parenthood from day one, when Margaret Sanger, uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood, you know, had her whole eugenics movement and, and wrote things that were uh, um, uh, kind to Nazis and referred to, to African-Americans and poor people as human weeds. She really was at the forefront of creating something evil. And today, you know, what, 100, whatever, 80 years later, it is unleashed and it has been unleashed. And for decades, we at the American Life League, we have been battling Planned Parenthood and the fact that not only do they not report minors um, being pregnant and then aborting their children, uh, their, their sex trafficking, 
there's all types of horror. There's there's injuries. Um, mm-hmm. There's lying when when young women have to be ambulanced out of there. Planned Parenthood has zero accountability. And I think that the sad part of, of, of the day and the hour that we live in is that politically there are there just doesn't there doesn't seem to be anyone that cares. You mentioned when RU486, you know, a drug created by a company that's the same company that was involved in the creation of Zyklon B, which is a gas that was used to terminate millions of human beings during World War II. Same company, alive and well, selling death today. When that was passed in 2000, that was one of Bill Clinton's parting gifts, right, to the Democratic Party and to the, the people that he serves, which are the world and is evil. He had talked about it, worked about it. And in 2000, you know, he he was gone. George Bush was coming in and he had worked very hard to make sure that the FDA just ushered this in without any without any understanding of what it would actually do. And the things you mentioned are just the tip of the iceberg, the cancers, the tumors, the diseases, the infertility, the depression, the the, the death. It, it is people need to wake up. People need to wake up. And maybe you live in Michigan like me. Maybe you live in Virginia. Maybe you're in Florida, Maine, wherever you happen to be. You've got to support the fight that's going on in Ohio. And one thing that everybody can do is prayer. We always underestimate the power of prayer. But clearly, from just the things that since I've known you, Timmy, that you've talked about, look at the, the, the scope and depth and the width and the expansion and the acceleration of the mudslide, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about just mutilating children. And I tell mm-hmm. people this. If you're willing to cut a child up into pieces in the womb and sell their body parts, of course you're going to cut up a, a children when, after they're born and convince them that they're not a boy or a girl. It's evil. Right. It's insidious. And think about the destruction that those young people now have to live with because their yeah. parents yeah. foisted this nonsense on them. It's grooming. It is grooming. It's a cover-up. I mean, abortion and the cases of rape and incest are the cover-up of the proof of that rape and incest. And yet people ignore that and justify the ongoing damage done to women and the killing of a baby and an innocent bystander in the entire situation. And, you know, it's, it's a, of course, it makes sense, as you say, if you're okay with killing babies via abortion, of course you're okay with, with damaging the body and saying, you're not male, you're not female, and mutilating the body, actually permanently damaging natural bodily functions from continuing to operate or functioning at all. I know people who've gone through cross-sex surgeries. I mean, you can have a surgery. It doesn't make you the opposite sex. You can go through plastic reconstructive surgery. It's great. There are wonderful things that can be done, but that doesn't suddenly make you a woman. It doesn't suddenly make you a man. We are a male or female body and soul. And we've talked about that soul dimension here on Trending. We'll post a link in the episode notes where we talk about discovering our femininity and masculinity at the level of the soul because it's an important topic. But what I do want to talk about for just a moment here, Hugh, is the sexual abuse cases for people who maybe don't quite realize the connection between abortion and sexual abuse cover-up. Um, even one example, the Alliance Defending Freedom actually had a report that came out showing just one of many stories out there. Um, and this report revealed Planned Parenthood facility in Ohio where a soccer coach, John Holler, uh, had actually gotten a 14-year-old child pregnant. Now, he's an adult. He signed off on her abortion Per Planned Parenthood allowing him to sign off on it, knowing it was not her parent. And in the state of Ohio, you're supposed to have parental knowledge uh, in order to have that abortion. Now, here's what happened. 
He then continues to have a relationship with this child, a sexual relationship after the abortion, and they stayed together for quite a while until a teacher thought that something might be up, reported him, questioning that there could be something going on, and sure enough, he actually was found guilty of seven counts of sexual battery. I'm not sure if that was only including this 14-year-old child or others as well, but this is what's so scary. Planned Parenthood, like myself and many people out there, are mandated reporters. If you know sexual abuse happening to a minor, you are mandated to report that. And Planned Parenthood is not following those requirements as mandated reporters. And they're doing damage to women in sex slavery, in abusive situations such as this poor little girl who is 14 years old. And so I think that this is one of those moments where you recognize there's a reason even for those simple accountabilities that shouldn't have to be there because abortion should be outlawed. But at least in the state of Ohio, that is one state where they've had parental notification and accountability. And so I think people, if they're thinking about signing on to bring this onto the ballot this fall, they need to say no, even if they're in favor of abortion, because it destroys parents' rights and ability to protect their children from sexual abuse. Uh, Hugh, your thoughts here. Well, that was uh, well said. And I think we have to boil it down to the simple fact that Planned Parenthood hates women. Okay. Planned Parenthood murders women. Planned Parenthood, you know, is responsible for, for over 50% of the national abortions, 80, 83% of all the, the, the pill chemical abortions. And if there's 900,000 to a million abortions a year, half of those we have to assume are, are women. They murder women and they don't care about women. Right. The women that leave their clinics, they don't care about them. And of course, they're not going to report because they don't care for them. It's all about death and serving death. And people have to realize that there isn't anything good about Planned Parenthood. And the, the, the fact that you can r sometimes randomly turn on the television and see celebrity X, Y, Z playing a game show and donating to Planned Parenthood, their charity of choice. The world is a deceiver and a liar. And Planned Parenthood is, is an organization focused on death. They make their money off of death. They have billions of dollars in hard assets and cash. And it comes from the fact that they can charge uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and, and people a ton of money for abortions. And it actually costs them very little. That's why if they cared about women, as you said earlier, of course, their facilities would be set up to handle medical emergencies and medical type situations, but they don't care. So they're not going to report when your 13 year old comes in pregnant because they'd rather kill that child because they, they worship at the altar of their, what they perceive as the right, the right mm -hmm. to death is all they care about because right. that's how they fund themselves. They go home at night and, 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 and pay their mortgages with money from death. That's who these people are. And that's all they care about. And I said in my talk recently, yes, we have to pray for them, but I'll tell you what, we got to go to war too. Enough mm -hmm. is enough. We have to stand up. We have to oppose them. We have to educate people. We're going to bring the power. We, we're very, I think we have some very gifted staff at creating uh, online content, videos, and, and different things. And we're going to bring that power to bear and try to educate the people in Ohio to just what you just said, because it's not just abortion. I'm a father. My daughter can't go get a suit. I'm sorry, um, a Mucinex D, right? You have to be 18 to buy a Mucinex D which is a deacon, nasal decongestant. You have to have a driver's license and you're only allowed to buy like one box a month. I can't tell you why, but she can go have an abortion, have it paid for by the government. And I'm never going to find out about it. That's mm -hmm. just one example of utter insanity.
right? She can't go into a rated R movie. They're not going to allow that, God forbid, but she can go kill her child when some, you know, uh, adult ha has taken advantage of her and impregnated her and now wants to cover up that uh, uh, act by murdering the child and scarring this little girl for life. That's the evil that we're up against. They worship at the altar of the right, the right meaning the right to death. That is what they believe. That is who they are. It's evil. And we have to call them out. I hear all the time, well, abortion's evil, but it's not evil people. The, the young girl getting the abortion, she's scared. She's probably horrified. She's probably under pressure. Is, is, is she evil? Of course she's not. But the people pressuring her and doing the things that you're saying have evil intent. They have evil hearts, and we have to oppose them. We have to oppose them with prayer, but we have got to oppose them with action. Stand up against them. The, the sidewalk counseling that you mentioned, the education, the understanding of what your children mm -hmm. are involved in, yes. right? Planned Parenthood for a decade and a half, this, this, all this nonsense with drag queens and selling sex to kids is nothing new. They've had a, a books sexualizing kids now for two decades. So that's who they are. That's Hugh Brown, the executive vice president of American Life League. Find him and his work at all.org. If you want to get involved in the state of Ohio and also text these websites to people in the state of Ohio to get involved now, Cleveland Right to Life, Ohio Right to Life. Uh, we're posting links on social media as well as Protect Women Ohio to stand on the front line against this ballot measure that would legalize abortion barbarically, cross-sex hormones, cross-sex surgery for minors at any time in the state of Ohio. So catch those links in the episode notes and on social media. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. The question of the hour, is the way to a man's heart through his stomach? Yes, no. Do you have a story about it? You know, is it essential that you find a wife that knows how to cook? Love to hear your thoughts. 888-914-9149. You can also reach out on social media, sharing your thoughts. It's been interesting to read the responses on social media. Follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R. I.e. to answer that question, maybe share a story or a thought, feel free to give us a call. Hugh Brown, the executive vice president of American Life League on the front line of the fight to protect families, to protect human life, to protect women. Uh, American Life League, you can find them at all.org. Uh, Hugh, I want to talk about something that I think many men are waiting for and how to guide on how to do it. We talk about how uh, men have that God-given role God-ordained role to be leaders, protectors, and providers. But what does that mean? How do you do that concretely? So today is kind of that opportunity to walk through how to be a protector and a defender of your loved ones. Hugh, let's talk about it. What do men need to do to make this happen? What changes need to occur in their lives to step into this role as protector and defender? Well, in my experience, we have however many thousands of years of, of human existence. And right now, there's probably not a better time on planet Earth uh, to be a man and to be a, a protector and a defender of your family because the Lord needs us, right? He needs us to have faith in him. Uh, God clearly can do everything that needs to be done without us. But as leaders of our families, as the head of the domestic church, which is the family, it is our God-given responsibility to serve and protect our family. And how do you do that? The first, the first step is you cannot do it alone. You can't do it without God. 
I have friends that I've known now I, since I was a kid and they struggle and God is just always a, a, a finger's length out of reach. And that, why? The, the main reason for that is sin, right? It, it's very difficult for some men to get over certain things, whether it's promiscuity, whether it's drinking, whether it's drugs, whether it's pornography, whatever that is, all of that has to be shed and put behind us. And our families have to be everything. And in serving Christ, Christ will give arm us with everything that we need. And some of the things that I thought about, Timmy, when you asked me that question is we have to have faith within our families. We have to pray as a family. You certainly, certainly have to honor the, the, the Lord's day. You have to go to mass, right? If your family isn't a family that participates in things like Lenten Fridays, try that. It strengthens the family. If your family isn't a family that says the rosary, try that once a week. Do it on Sunday. It's the perfect day. The family has to eat together. The family has to spend time together. We have to protect our children and our spouses from the world. And as men, one of the, one of the life lessons that I have practiced from day one is what I call keep your circle small. I can count on one less than the, the fingers on one hand, the number of people I actually consider friends. Because and, and I'm not a snob. As you know, I run a business. I run businesses. I'm a football coach. I know thousands of people. I'm out speaking. I love them all. But, but in terms of people that influence me that I trust, they've got to be people. They don't have to be perfect, but I know that they love the Lord. I know that they serve their families. I know they're people that are going to make me better. They're going to make me a better man. They're going to make me a better Catholic. And those are things that as men, we have to surround ourselves with people like that. And if we don't have that, pray about it. Right. We, we have to pray about it. You have to trust the Lord that he's going to lead you where you should go and lead the people in your life. We have to shed bad decisions by being disciplined. When I coach young men, it's pretty simple. Be on time. Be on time. Be relentless. Love your family. It's the those are simple life rules. We have to be relentless in the pursuit of truth, which means we can't be afraid. Some things I said to you, we can't be afraid to tell our children we don't do sleepovers. We can't be afraid mm -hmm. to tell our children that they're not allowed to have cell phones till they're in high school. There's lots of things, practical things that we can do out of love. I have my older daughters who are now in their 20s thanking me, thanking me for what they thought I was the crazy parent because <laughs> they were only kids that couldn't do this, that or the other. They thank me now. And I tell them, you're welcome. And it's because I love you. And I take my responsibility to you very seriously. I, they could end up homeless, living under a bridge. But if they make it to heaven, they win. Right. That's the goal. And as parents, Timur, you're now blessed to be a mom and you have a great spouse. Our God-given responsibility is to get those souls to heaven. And the only way we can do that as men, as leaders of our families, is to practice our faith, live our faith, and don't be hypo hypocritical. I'm thinking of a friend right now whose sons struggle, struggle with drug use. Well, you know what? They saw that at home. They saw that at home. I know for a fact he was involved in that stuff. And it just... You cannot say one thing and then give a bad example. And like I tell other men when I talk to them, you got to suck it up, meaning you can't feel sorry for yourself. Oh, the burden is too great. No, it's not. No, it's not. Right now in Lent, think about the time that Christ spent in the desert, 40 days, right? And when he came out, it was 40 days. The devil offered him everything. And yet the human part of him, he still refused that, right? And then on Calvary, when he carried that cross, he's already walked that walk. We just have to have strength no matter how bad it gets. We lose jobs. We face diseases. We face struggles in our family. Older children, they can make horrible decisions and fall away from the faith. We can pray for them. We can, can stay, stay consistent. And there's time to rest when we cross the other side. We have to be relentless in the pursuit of preserving of the integrity and, and well-being and protection of our family. And that's not just defending them from some bad guy breaking in through the front door. 
that that's rare and remote and, and God forbid never happens. It's the daily effort and daily love to edify that which God has given us, which is the family. And it is a sacred responsibility. It's more important than your job. It's more important than your hobbies. It's more important than anything that you care about outside of your home. Your wife and your children are what the Lord has given you. And if we treat them in that respect, the marriage vows that you took, that I took for better or worse, I've been there in sickness and health. I've been there richer and poorer. I've been there. When you have that bond between a husband and a wife and you're, 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 you're living your faith and you're, you're working through the struggles and the day-to-day um, uh, joys and ups and downs of having a family, um, it's worth every second. And I tell young parents this. There were no iPhones when my you know, iPhones are 10, 11 years old. I mean, they were kind of around but when my kids were really little, when we had, you know, five under the age of 10. I didn't film any of that stuff, but it's some of the best memories of my life. You have to appreciate walking in the front door, right? You have to appreciate the joy of your children seeing you. you have to appreciate the little bit of time you get before they go to bed. Those are the moments that matter. And that's where we build young people into young adults into strong Christians, and we have to be relentless in that pursuit, and excuse the term, but the world be damned, right? And we've shut the television off in our house. I'm, the last straw for me, not that we watched it, was this nonsense. I can't remember the award show where the guy dressed up as the devil, and my daughter was telling me about it. She didn't watch it, but her friends were talking about it on social media, and I, I just don't want that nonsense in my home because I can't trust it, right? If I can't trust what's coming into my home to maybe influence even me you know, even even subconsciously, I just don't want it. So we don't have it, right? Mm-hmm. We find other things to do, right? Again, there's thousands of years of existence and there's lots to do without the internet or television. I mean, we have them, we can use them when we have to. There's great family time with movies and other things that are fun, communicating with, you know, grandma on, on Zoom and all that. But at the same time, there's innumerable things that you can do with your family and you just have to make the time and do it. It's interesting. So many things here. But one of the things you mentioned is the TV example. You got rid of, you know, uh, watching television. I had posted on my uh, social media yesterday a photo of me and my daughter. And I asked, you know, what did you have to get rid of when you got married uh, to make time for your spouse? Or then with each child you had, what did you have to weed out of your life so that you had time for them? And it was funny because I heard a number of people saying, you know, I'm learning we just can't watch TV anymore. And it made me laugh because we decided to get rid of our TV uh, right before my daughter, my first daughter was born. I don't know where we had time ever to watch it, to be quite frank. Like now the amount of time where we say, hey, let's whip out a laptop and watch a movie is like once every few months, maybe. Um, But it's interesting because these things that we think are so fundamental and necessary aren't necessary. And I love that you kept using the word relentless, Hugh, that we have to be relentless at everything. And you said to me earlier, you have to, you have time to rest in eternity. You need to be outstandingly selfless and relentless at everything. Um, I think that we are so programmed to this idea of me time and rest and my recuperation that, especially for men, uh, the mindset that when I get home, it's all about, you know, resting and I should have my space, which you know, I understand that to a certain respect. But actually, when you get home, that's go time. Your purpose is not your job. Your purpose, if you're, you know, a family man who has a child and a spouse, your go time, your purpose is that time with those family members and how you lead, guide, protect, and provide for them. Oh, amen. And so today is what? It's a Wednesday. So so to any guy listening to this that has a family, here's what I would say. Think about three Wednesdays ago. What, what did you do at your job? Okay. The odds of you remembering that 
I mean, think about it. Probably, probably zero. Who knows what you did? But you certainly remember what happened when you came home, right? Because those are the moments that matter. Those are the things that matter. Uh, the time with your family is what matters. And to me, when when we talk about being relentless, we have to structure things. So, you know, my my family, my kids are a little bit older now. They range between the ages of 18 and 29. We have five of them. And, uh, you know, we, we once a week when most of them are in town, except for my one son who's in college, uh, we, we eat as a family, even though they're all over the place. I, they come over. We, we, they all drive from all over the place. We go to mass on Sundays. We, we make time. It's the spring. The Brown family happens to be fishermen. I you know, bought a house 30 years ago when I was a young man. And my, my wife still laughs about it because I didn't care about the house. I cared what the pond looked like. So <laughs> I raised my kids fishing. I raised them outdoors. It, it's always been something that we have. And so as men, it's important that we find those things, right? Most of us, unless your health precludes it, you can walk. You can walk with your children. My kids still bring up some of their funnest favorite memories are when it would rain, I would gather them all up. We'd put on boots, raincoat or not, and we'd go, we have a very long, windy gravel driveway. We'd find puddles and they'd stomp in them. Mm -hmm. It was just mm -hmm. something to do and they're fun memories. And when my kids mm -hmm. are together now, what do they talk about? They talk about Christmas and they talk about our two-week summer vacation every single year at the beach. That's all they talk about. In March, that's all they talk about. In November, that's all they talk about. Hey, remember on vacation, we did this. That family time matters. And the, the jobs, yeah, you want to be excellent at your job. Of course you do. But that's just a thing. It's a thing that provides what you need to take care of your family. Jobs come and go. Families forever. And you've just got to, as men, when you talk about protecting them, the physical part of it, that's a whole nother conversation. And God willing, rare and never actually has to happen. It's the spiritual and, and, and intellectual and, and just eternal part of this struggle where your effort, because Christ made you the head of your home, your effort is blessed. And I, I say this all the time. God blesses the grind. And that grace, right, we try as Catholics very hard to stay in a state of grace. That grace is it's incalculable, the impact that it has on the well-being of our families. It's worth everything. So forego your temptations for you got to just forget yourself. You got to die to yourself and you have to put your family first in everything. And God will take care of you. You'll have your moments. You'll have your time. You'll have your days where you're able to catch your breath. The, the Lord orders that. Right. I mean, that's why he, Christ himself, a good priest, said to me once, even Jesus, you know, he, sometimes he had to get in the boat and go to the other side. But he always went somewhere. Right. He was always in the mountains. He was always on the shore when he was reflecting and gathering himself. So as men, the Lord understands us a lot better than we do. And if we serve him, he'll give us exactly what we need. That's the faith part. You have the faith to believe that, or do we have to step mm -hmm. in front of God and say, well, that's not enough. I need to do it this way. That's when things get out of whack. And there's only one way to learn that. And I've learned it. And that's the hard way. And God will certainly set you straight and get you back where you need to be. And I think it helps build humility, but we just have to have that trust that the Lord knows what's best for us. And what's best right. for us is taking good care of our families. That's Hugh Brown, the executive vice president of American Life League. Hugh, you gave a list, a long list of things to do. If you want to be a protector and a defender of your loved ones, 
here are some of those key things. You know, people say, you know, what does it mean to be a Catholic man? These are those things that you were talking about that are so fundamental. So I hope if you're listening, you'll go back and listen to this. If you didn't hear it, you know, re-listen. I think this is an important conversation that needs to be pondered. Those things need to be, you know, teased out, thinking about why is this so important? Why is, you know, something such as, you know, you talk about not doing sleepovers. That's a hard line a lot of people might not necessarily agree with, but why that's important, why your daughters were grateful for that. Um, those standards, those expectations, um, how to live that out in your family, I think was so important. Um, go back and listen to this episode, relevantradio.com forward slash trending, where you can catch a podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And it reminded me of an episode we just did, None Says to Do This Particular Thing to Change Your Life. If you want to eradicate sin from your life, be outstandingly selfless, overcome that despair, that exhaustion, go listen to that episode. We'll post a link on social media as well as in the episode notes. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. I made one of my college classmates a salad 10 years ago, and now he's my husband. Man, I think that whole adage, the way to a man's heart through his stomach, is it true? Do you think it's true? Gentlemen, I want to hear from you. Why is it essential to a man that his wife is a good cook? This has actually riled a lot of feathers on social media. I threw this up last night, and I'm really interested. Okay, my producer's making fun of me. He goes, a salad? Really? I agree. I just made a salad. That's all it took. A simple salad. You know what's funny? It was even a total hippy-dippy salad, and I think it was so unique that he was both like, this is interesting. Wow. So, yes, I am good at making salads. And fun fact, fun fact, all my friends who like their husbands, boyfriends, I haven't liked eating vegetables. They will eat vegetables at my house. So if you don't like vegetables, I've got some vegetable recipes for you and often salads. Uh, But I think this is an interesting topic. I thought a fun topic as well. I threw it out there on social media. A lot of responses. And I think we live in a time where, you know, the whole cooking responsibility is changing in a lot of ways. It has become a shared responsibility uh, between spouses. And it's also, I know a lot of men who are the cooks of the family. But at the same time, that old adage is the way to a man's heart through his stomach. Yes, no. Um, Is it essential to have a wife that cooks? Well, I think when we live at a time where a lot of people are struggling to find spouses and um, trying to find this like kind of this great gift of complementarity between masculinity and femininity, uh, we've lost some things. And I think sometimes one of those things that we as women can kind of think, hey, we can shirk this. It's not that big of a deal anymore. There are better things I have to do is cooking. And I'm not, this is not like the shame moment. If you can't cook, you need to cook. But it was really interesting reading a lot of the responses on social media of people and especially men who said, you know, even if, if, even if the woman I marry or even when my wife really can't cook that great, and no one actually said that, by the way, but kind of alluded in a certain respect, what they did say is what mattered is that she did cook, that she did try. Uh, it was funny. One one husband was talking about how he's Cajun, his wife's Filipino. He was sharing on social media uh, that, you know, she doesn't know how to make uh, jambalaya or some of, the, you know, the important parts of jambalaya. But if she's willing and humble to learn, that's great. You know, she doesn't have to be 
perfect at making a dish that's maybe not her dish because she came from the Philippines and isn't something uh, that she originally was gifted at making. It's been really interesting to see all of these responses. A lot of people say, you know, their dads would cook special, you know, meals on the weekend. I think dads and breakfasts are such like a key component that goes hand in hand. Uh, But what kind of inspired this conversation the other day is I was reading uh, this book about the complementarity between men and women and giving that respect and honor to your spouse and how, you know, sometimes, you know, people will drill down on, well, the woman has to cook and the man shall not cook or vice versa, you know, well, I'm not going to do this alone. Uh, But what was interesting is it talked about that gift of what food brings into a home the fun that it can be to cook together, the joy that it can be when one spouse makes a meal for another person, but still talked about that gift and responsibility that we as women have toward making sure that we have that primary responsibility and see that primary responsibility for bringing food um, to the table. Even if our spouse cooks, maybe we're making sure, okay, that we've communicated who's cooking so it doesn't turn into this fast food, everyone's hungry, we're skimping through the cupboards type of moment. Uh, It's one of those moments that I think in a certain respect and nourishment really is threefold. It's an anthropological, theological, and even physiological um, moment where we understand all three of those play a role. Theologically, it comes down to the physiological reality of our bodies as women and our capacity uh, to nourish a child in the womb and nourish an infant outside of the womb as well through nursing. That The body is designed for physical nourishment of other human beings. And that points in a certain respect to nourishment that goes beyond that. That's why what we see in the material reality of our body steps into the spiritual theological realm of our whole existence. You can't separate the fact that the body as a woman has a capacity to physically nourish a human being. You can't just stop there. We actually have to understand that we as women are called to nourish body, mind, and soul. So I'm paraphrasing the great Saint Edith Stein, who lived during World War II, actually died in Auschwitz. She really pondered uh, and drilled down on the topic of femininity and that complementarity between men and women. And she said, a woman's soul is fashioned as a dwelling place in which other souls may unfold. And she touched on this very poignant anthropological, theological, and physiological fact that women have the capacity to nourish. And food is a part of that. I think that this is why many people have said for many, many years before us that a way to a man's heart is through his stomach, that through that willingness to physically nourish another, it also shows a spiritual willingness to nourish another human being as well. And that that material, I think, gift and reality and willingness, even if you're not the best cook, even if it doesn't come naturally, even if you don't really enjoy it that much, that you're willing to do it, that you're willing to help make sure that that domain of your home is being taken care of, even if you're not doing it alone. I know in our house, there are plenty of times where we say, hey, let's enjoy making a meal together. Or, hey, can you just make dinner tonight? I can't quite figure it out. Maybe there's something already planned, or maybe it's, you know, figuring out what's in the cupboards that we can throw together for a meal. Uh, But I think as we talk often about, you know, men and those God-given responsibilities and how the body physiologically is directed toward that spiritual and mental reality, 
I think that food is one of those things that has a theological dimension and understanding the way to the man's heart is through his stomach and being willing to do that. I have um, a friend who I was just talking to a couple weeks ago and her husband kept like making comments while we were talking like, hey, hey, you know, can you teach so-and-so, you know, maybe a couple of those recipes, you know, you make. And he kept making really simple comments like, you know, she's really great at making this, but, you know, I'd love it if she cooked more. And she just wasn't getting it. She's like, hey, there's always food in the house. I said, yeah, you're right. And he's being really delicate. He said, you know, there's always food in the house, but, you know, maybe you could cook more foods. You know, I like homemade meals. And he was trying to communicate that so delicately and respectfully. He adores his wife. Uh, But it was one of those moments where I think a lot of women sometimes don't quite understand why it's not that men are saying, hey, I want you barefoot, wearing an apron, in the kitchen, and pregnant. But it has to do with that desire for physical nourishment and that intentionality that we have the capacity to give that gift. And it goes all the way back even to our childhood and that basic capacity for a mother and a woman to physically care for her child and then literally from there through the womb and then to nourish that child with food as well through nursing. I think that that's how deep this whole argument of the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. If you want to see some of the fascinating debate over this on social media, you can check it out. I posted the comment and question. People have been kind of hashing it out and sharing their thoughts. Uh, But it's been a great weekly gentleman's hour today on Trending. Uh, If you haven't already caught that episode where Sister Tina Alfieri gives us her nun's opinion on the one thing you really need to do to change your life, please go check it out. She is very, very strong in helping us to understand how to make growth and progress in our lives and gives concrete steps to do so. We'll post a link to that episode on social media. Up next is a family rosary across America. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Thursdays are weekly marriage hour. Licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Socorro will join me discussing misery, responsibility, and divorce in marriage. Also talk about what you had to take out of your life when you got married or when each kid came along. Join me with your questions for our therapist on trending during our weekly marriage hour. Dating, relationships, all of that, we'll cover it. 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.